Logical Progression, Year 4, Chapter 13, Lesson 3. Okay, so um, for this session, um, you'll remember from the previous session that I ended um, the uh, I ended with the the paragraph concerning legal responsibility upon whether the prayer is upon a Muslim or not. And, and so on. Um, and I, there was a, a section I said that I wanted to take it as a whole. That statement was, and it has to be made up by anyone losing consciousness from sleep, fainting, and intoxication, etc. So those rest of those sections um, are still to do. However, alhamdulillah, for this session, uh, for this week, we have been joined, and it's a, uh, a great honor for us, and it's a rare thing as well, to be joined by um, our teacher and our sheikh, the senior scholar of the Maghrib Institute, Sheikh Walid Bissiouni, Hafidahullahu Ta'ala wa Ra'a. And as I mentioned to you in the last lesson, or maybe I didn't mention actually, I don't think, no, I didn't, sorry, yeah, that wasn't <laughs> recorded. Um, what, I should, what I should tell you now is that there is something on this first page, a matter which is not an easy matter, and actually it's only got a few lines there, right? But its depth is significant. It's a, very, it's a very important issue in our tradition, classically. From a theology point of view, it's something very famous. And that is the issue concerning whether the one who denies the prayer or doesn't pray out of laziness, are they a non-Muslim or not? It's a very serious issue. The text that this refers to, and that is what we're going to be doing today. And so let me make it clear that we are actually jumping four English paragraphs, okay? The four English paragraphs, i.e., the one which is about losing consciousness, about whether it's valid from someone who's insane or non-Muslim, what are, they, what are we to do if they pray, the issue about the children and how we discipline them and so on and so forth, and what happens if they reach adolescence, and the issue about delaying the prayer, whether that's permissible or not. These four paragraphs we're going to cover next week, all right, to take advantage of the presence of Sheikh Walid, because this last paragraph, and it is, وَمَنْ جَحَدَ وُجُوبَهَا كَفَرْ so this text is whoever denies the obligation of the prayer or doesn't pray out of laziness has committed disbelief. The imam or his substitute should call him back to the prayer. But if he persists, and the second of the two consecutive prayer times is running out, both perpetrators, both meaning the one who denies and the one who doesn't pray, both are still not to be killed until their repentance is sought three times. Okay? Now let me make a few things clear. Not only is this difficult in translation, it's also difficult in the Arabic. It's not very clear even in the Arabic wording, and that translation is the best that we can offer. But actually, even the content behind it is not easy. And that's why we have a top scholar yeah, I need to deal with it, not a second bit one that we found down here at the Sunday market. Yeah. So um, that's the first thing I want to say. Secondly, I want to say to you that, um, again, we are studying law. It's very important. And I don't just say this for the sake of it. Okay, But we are living, of course, in a, uh, a secular democracy, Britain to be uh, uh, specific. And this class is obviously broadcast to Muslim countries and non-Muslim countries. 
And this is not, of course, our actions or what we consider something that we would uh, do or follow or whatever. This is studying a legal matter and understanding the reasoning of those that wrote this text and where they take the evidences from. Not at any moment would we consider that we would kill anyone if they don't pray. And it's not a very clever thing anyway because there'd be no one left, all right? And yani, starting at home would be in big trouble anyway. So there are many issues why we don't yani, act upon this. We are talking about trying to understand why is it. Is it even correct, actually, this whole thing about killing and all this kind of you know, emotional talk? And so without further ado, I want to invite Sheikh Walid to bring some light to this. What is Allah khair? Can I have the English one too so I can look at the translation? Okay. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa minu wa lahu ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Um, you know, it's, it's very interesting that uh, I'm here today talking to you uh, because I have uh, many reasons not to do so. And uh, among them, one, that uh, I should be uh, uh, with you, like the few minutes that you came earlier, uh, benefiting from Sheikh Abu Isa as well. And I said that in the past, and I'm still... Uh, every week goes by more convinced that this is one of the most beneficial fiqh series available for English speaking uh, community or Muslims um, and it contains a lot of ilm, a lot of solid ilm a lot of uh, original khilaf as we say uh, looking at the matters uh, looking at the matters from the perspective its evidence then also looking at that opinions of the companions, the successors, the fuqaha, the ulama uh, from the past and modern days. Not only that, but put all this in context. Put this, all of this into uh, modern days, uh, day-to-day uh, practices and, and, uh, and, and issues and challenges that we see as Muslim community. This is a very great work and I congratulate all of you for being here uh, tonight on site or online. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give Sheikh Abu Isa tasdeed and fiqh fi deen and give him a, a great reward in the dunya and the akhirah. Allahumma ameen. Also, one of the reasons that I don't want to be here today, it's because uh, I would like you to continue the style, the, the same method that you uh, used to with Sheikh Abu Isa when he teaches, put a lot of effort, time in preparing every paragraph and making sure that you give everything possible uh, that you can uh, put his hand on uh, in this class versus someone who just passing by, maybe give a few points here and there. Uh, and also the style of teaching could be different. And who can match Isa, mashallah, style? Uh, so uh, everybody has his own style of teaching, and I don't want to kind of create a, a confusion for you. Uh, my style of teaching fiqh could be a little bit uh, different than uh, Sheikh Baisa's style, and I don't want the students to get uh, confused. Uh, there is other uh, reasons, but I have also reasons for me to be here. 
Uh, number one, that this class is about fiqh, which is uh, not only fiqh, it's fiqh uh, Imam al-Mubajjal al-Imam Ahmad rahimahullah ta'ala, the fiqh of al-Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, which is something I cherish and I dear so much, and that's the madhab that I learned and I followed, uh, madhab al-Imam Ahmad rahimahullah. <laughs> Uh, not only that, it's, on, it's also one of the best books ever read or studied or wrote about fiqh al-Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, which is Az-Zad. And they said in the old days, من حفظ Zad حكم بين العباد Those who memorize Az-Zad, they can judge between people. They literally can rule in every single issue that can happen to Muslim community or people ask about it. And I have a comment. I'm not being متعصب uh, uh, or extreme uh, followers of the Hanbali Madhab. I might myself rarely disagree with the Hanbali Madhab, but uh, in a certain issue I might not agree with it. Uh, but uh, the issue here that studying a Madhab allowed the person to have an answer for most ev- the daily issues that we face. It's impossible for anyone to have tahqiq and a study for each and every issue in fiqh. It's beyond your time, beyond your age, beyond your capability. It's very hard. Very few maybe people can do that. I'm not sure if we even have someone like that. Every issue you have to research it and to bring all the evidence and to compare. That's impossible. It takes years. So if you study a fiqh and you master a fiqh, at least you have an answer ready for every issue that you pass by. Salah, zakat, and so forth. Then after, as you grow, you start learning and comparing and develop yourself. And uh, no one is better in this than Shaykh Nashar ibn Thimir, ta'ala. And that's another reason it made me excited to be here, because this uh, course is talking about the explanation of Shaykh Muhammad al-Salih on the book Az-Zat. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Anyone here knows Zad al-Mustaqna, this original text? It's actually a summary for another book. Anybody knows what that other book is? Al-Mughni. No. If Al-Mughni, it will be like a huge book. Mughni is the biggest. But you're very close because... Something that we said two weeks ago, by the way. Yeah. You're very, yeah, sister. Al-Muqna', very good. Al-Muqna', okay, uh, which is written by Ibn Qudamah, rahimahullah ta'ala. Uh, so that's a summary of it. And Shaykh rahimahullah, basically explained that text, because as you heard Shaykh saying early, it can be very confusing, some of the pronouns on the mir and what he exactly means by that, and uh, which opinion that he chose from Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah. Imam Ahmad rahimahullah's madhab, one of the reasons I said rarely I choose outside the madhab, because rarely to find any issue unless Imam Ahmad rahimahullah will have a multiple, multiple riwayah, not position, multiple riwayah uh, uh, from him about that issue. And usually he covers all the four madhab. That's why I believe you should study madhab Ahmad, because if you do, you study in studying madhab Ahmad almost all the other madhab. Anyway, uh, so this is the something really made me excited about uh, talking to you tonight. Uh, and the uh, part that Shehavai said shows for me, it's a quite interesting uh, part, uh, which is about the ruling of uh, Tariq as-Salah. So uh, 
he read for you the text, which is the original text of Hisham Natimir, uh, uh, the Zat, uh, which is, وَمَنْ جَحَدَ وُجُوبَهَا كَفَرٌ Whoever denies the obligation of the prayer uh, is kafir. Uh, let me start with the word jahada. Uh, the al-juhud, and this is something you, you should be care, uh, pay attention to it. Al-juhud fi urf al-salaf khilaf al-muta'akhirin. The word jahada, the use of the word jahada in the early Muslim scholars, yani among the early ulama from the successors and the earlier follow of successors, it's a quite different than how the muta'akhirin, the later scholars, later fuqaha, the fuqaha of the madahib used. When you look at the word al-juhud fi kalab al-salaf, in the way the salaf used, usually it refers to one of two. Imma al-jahd bima'na takdib that you belied, that you deny. Okay? So this is obvious, and that's what the uh, what appears from the translation here, uh, that he basically uh, deny the obligation of the salah. He belies, he says, I don't believe that this is true. I don't believe that the salah is wajib. That's kufr. Because he basically denied something well established in the Quran and Sunnah. But also sometimes as salaf, they might use the word al-juhud al-mutlaq. Sometimes they use the word jahada and it means he refused to do something. So he commit juhud by just refusing it. Not because he believes it's lie, because he doesn't want to submit himself to it. He doesn't want to obey. He believes it's true. He believes it's wad. But you know what? I'm not willing to submit. Like the kufr of Iblis, for example. Iblis, he doesn't believe that Allah is lying, or he doesn't believe the order to make sujood was not true or not right. But he doesn't feel to submit himself to the will of Allah. And this is so essential because كثير من المتأخرين so many of the later fuqaha Muslim jurists من أتباع المذاهب المتبوعة كما يقول شيخ السامس بن تيميه رحمه الله said among the followers of the four madahib influenced heavily, heavily by the Maturidi and the Ash'ari beliefs. And the Maturidi and Ash'ari beliefs the way they define Tawheed and Iman it's a quite different than the way Salaf defined Iman and Tawheed. For them, Al-Iman and Tawheed, it is basically, Al-Iman is a tasdiq to believe this is absolutely true. And the opposite of Tawheed, which is kufr, to deny what is, it's not true. So be lie, At-Takdeeb. So you say, no, I, it's lie, it's not true, I deny. But, and that's also related to the issue of Amr al-Qalb, the heart's action. That's why for them the kufr, the opposite, because it's a coin, has two faces. So if that's how you see the imam, the opposite will be the kufr is to be lied to, to not believe in the truth. But the salaf believe that the iman is bigger than just the believing it's truth. It's believing it's truth and to submit yourself to it, part of it, which is include the actions. That's why for them the kufr is not just the day to say it's not true or to deny it. The kufr also for them it is by not submitting yourself to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but not by not doing this action. So that's why they will use the word juhud, referring to those who refuse to submit themselves to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, when he discussed the issue of 
tarik uh, salah the one who doesn't believe, uh, follow the salah, he said, you have to pay attention that not every quote that you find among the later fuqaha, from the Maliki, the Shafi'i, the Hanafi, even among Ashabila, among the Hanabila, is necessarily coming from a fiqh perspective as much as it is based on their aqidah understanding of the concept of kufr and iman. So you have to look to why they said that, why they took this position, because we have a bigger issue here to discuss. Uh, so here we say, Man jahada wujubaha. What it seems to be that he's talking about the deny which someone refuse or belie that uh, uh, yeah, believe it's not true that a salah wajiba. He said he became kafir, and uh, to be honest with you, that, that's obvious, isn't it? Like Muhammad Rahimahullah was asked once, maybe the hadith that speak about those who don't pray is kafir because he doesn't believe it's wajib. He said, what's benefit from this? This is kind of redundant. This, you don't need. The Prophet ﷺ to tell you, or Allah to tell you, or any scholar to tell you, by the way, if you don't believe it's wajib, it's kufr. So there's no point. Because if someone, he was asked, Rahimullah, about fasting, if someone denied the wujub or, uh, or, or about al qatil, istahalla al qatil, it's kufr. He said, that's very obvious, known. Because if someone don't believe a salah is wajib and he pray five times a day, he's kafir. That's right. Somebody believes a salah is west and wajib. Uh, uh, sorry, somebody believes a salah is not must, is not wajib. It, it, it is uh, optional. It's not in the deen of Muhammad But he prays five times a day. Al ulama said he is kafir. It's like someone believes he doesn't drink alcohol, but he or she, you know, never drink alcohol. They never drink alcohol, but they believe it's halal. Once I was traveling in the airplane, and I had a, a, a lady next to me. I found out she's Muslim, and she told me, uh, "The serve, you know, uh, wine, whatever." Uh, she she didn't take it. She said, "No, thank you." Then she looked at me. And she said, "Oh, not because I believe it's haram." I said, "Oh my God!" <laughs> she tried to be smart. She that's the dumbest things I've ever said. <laughs> I said to myself. She's just trying to show off, not because I believe it's haram. I said, you just ruined it. She said, why? I said, you know what? If you just kept quiet, why did Quraysh suck at you? The Prophet said, what's wrong with people Quraysh? But just keep quiet, things will be safe. So when she told me that, I had the comments. I, she was surprised. I said, in Islam, just you believing al-khamr is halal. You drink khamr like drinking this water. That's kufr. A'udhu billah. But if you drink alcohol and you know it's a sin and you know it's wrong and one day inshallah I will fix myself, that's a sin. So that's a completely different story here. Anyway, he said, وَمَنْ جَحَدَ وُجُوبَهَا كَفَرْ Shammad said that al-ulama agreed. And that's absolutely true. Al-ulama, rahimahullah, there is no debate between them that whoever denied the obligatory of the five daily prayers and that include Friday, okay, is kafir. If not necessarily to deny all the five prayers, only one of them. If somebody deny Fajr, or not somebody deny Dhuhr uh, or Asr. Uh, like for example, Musaylam al-Kadhab, when he married Sajah, uh, which is another uh, uh, false prophet, uh, he said that the mahar of Sajah was to drop Salat al-Fajr and al-Isha. No need for Fajr and Isha, we just make it uh, uh, basically discounted. 
Because pahala, it's the heaviest things for the munafiqeen. That's why he canceled it. Uh, that's, that would be absolutely kufr. Uh, so denying one of them or all of them will become kufr as well as uh, Jumu'ah. Why? Because he basically deny and reject something so clearly stated in the Quran and Sunnah. There are overwhelming evidence, clear evidence in the Quran and Sunnah. But if you look at other books of fiqh, if you look even through the other madhab, today we're just looking uh, quickly, uh, you will find some of the madhab have uh, uh, yeah, any a word they add the condition which is very important. And Ibn Uthimir added it. Which is, it's kufr if you deny the obligatory of the five daily prayers. Uh, uh, and some ulama put condition like, as long as this person is not ignorant. He doesn't deny it out of ignorance. Like for example, a new Muslim, who just completely new Muslim. Well, uh, uh, doesn't know that a salah is wajib. He just knows salah is a good thing, but I didn't know that's obligatory. I didn't know that I have to pray the five times. I thought it's like whatever I can. So if it's out of ignorance, he is or she is excused. But if the person is a Muslim, knows, uh, taught, uh, been, uh, uh, yeah, and he, he studied the religion and understand the religion, and he still believes it's not wajib, and he doesn't have a, a, a reason for him to deny this, no doubt that this is a kufr. Then Shemrit made a very good point. He said, Wahada, this shows you that this shows you that we excuse people, the ignorance, it's a valid excuse when it comes to the issue that are well established in Sharia. Or issues not necessarily well established in Sharia, which is some people refer to to, to as al qatiyat or ma'lum min al-din well known, well established in Sharia. I personally always have reservation about this terminology, uh, well established in Sharia, because this is relevant. There is no standard really for it. If we mean you try to count, what are the things that are well-established in Sharia. Everyone should be known. That can be different from somebody, somebody live in Bradford versus Manchester. Okay, or Manchester and Bradford versus someone live in the Amazon. Amazon versus someone live in Mecca. Someone study Tawheed in their um, uh, 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 elementary and middle school and high school. Someone lived in a, in a, in a community that's surrounded with, for example, certain sects and groups. So here we cannot say that it's, it's the same. Maybe there is commonality, one, two, three, but I don't think we can agree on a whole list of things. So So even things that are well-established in Sharia, very obvious, people can be excused for being ignorant of it. And that's a very important point uh, because uh, it is absolutely a reason for you to excuse somebody from being kafir just basically because he or she is ignorant. They didn't know the, the ruling of it. Then uh, in the book, Zad said <coughs> after that, He want to go to another uh, category, which is those who leave the salah out of uh, being careless about the salah. Uh, uh, he did not mention 
kasalan, uh, which is being lazy uh, in, the, in the actual book. But this understood, because almost everybody speak about this topic. He uh, uh, talk about those who are being lazy to pray, or uh, they don't care. Uh, if I give you an example, uh, don't care like what? Like someone knows that the ishraq of Fajr, the sunrise, the Fajr time end at, let's, what time ends here? Six, uh, seven o'clock. Uh, let's say 6.50. And you know what? I'm going to put the clock at, you guys don't pray for it? Maybe you guys pray on time. That's why you didn't know the end of the time. You know the beginning of the time. MashaAllah. Yeah. I give you a hasna <laughs> okay. So uh, let's say 6.50, the Fajr time end. So he put his clock at 9 o'clock. Intentionally. He said, yeah, it's okay. You know, don't really care. Or kasal. You know, he wakes up and, you know, he knows the salah is going to, the time is going to, he's just lazy. He said, let it go. She said, who cares? And he, I'm so tired to go. I'm so tired to pray. I'll pray later. You know, maybe when I go home, maybe before I sleep, I will do the fire. That's what Kessel's being just lazy to pray. Oh my God, I'm going to make wudu in that cold weather and I'm still going to pray. It's so lazy to do that. So that's basically being lazy or careless. He, he said, so... So if he does that, the mu'allif, the author of the book, Rahimullah, considered this also uh, uh, an act of kufr. Uh, but he did not put that as the only condition. He actually, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, put uh, uh, multiple conditions for the person to be considered kafir. <laughs> so number one, that he does this out of laziness or being neglected. He doesn't care, careless. Number two, he said, or the imam, the imam or his uh, substitute, uh, substitute like what? Like the judge or the police officer in the Muslim state, you know, call him, he pray. Uh, so basically the one who represents the imam, the substitute uh, uh, should call him back to the prayer, ask him to go to pray. And this person insists not to pray. So here he put a condition. So he doesn't become kafir until someone asks him to pray and he rejects. And he doesn't become kafir until all these get happen. So he doesn't have a valid excuse because being lazy or careless, that's not a valid excuse. Number two, that an, a person of authority asks him to pray and he insists not to pray. And the next one, he said, uh, what that means? Uh, it means that basically he lists a prayer until the next one time, almost done. Almost done. So let's say the Fajr example. So he will not pray Fajr. Dhuhr comes and almost Asr time. But in the Hanabila specifically, they always believe that Asr and, and Dhuhr are merged together. So for them, it's going to be all the way until Maghrib. So if, if almost Maghrib and he doesn't pray, and he doesn't have time left to make Salat, to make up the Salat and to pray and to go back to Islam, they said the Maghrib comes, that's it, he's kafir. For them, that will be kafir. But by the way, this is not something, as the Sheikh said earlier, is not agree. Some of them said, no, only one Salah 
leaves, and that's an Imam Ahmed, one narration from him was asked, he said, if one salah out, that's it, he's not Muslim. So if Fajr, sunrise comes, and the Fuhr comes, and he didn't pray, he's not Muslims. And among the people who took that position, Shaykh Nashaykh bin Baz, rahimahullah, he believes that. If someone just missed one salah, that's it. And if you miss Dhuhr until Maghrib, is not Muslim. He left, he became Murtad. And if Maghrib comes and he doesn't pray until, until Fajr, that's Murtad. Because for them, they see Dhuhr and Asr like one time. And Maghrib and Isha one time, Fajr one time. Okay? So for them, that it is. And inside the Madhab, other opinion, I will talk about it later on. Uh, here, why he said one of the condition that the imam or the representative of the imam ask him. He said, why they put this as a condition? Because you want to make sure that this person not leaving the salah for another reason. For another reason. I have a question for you. Do you see this a, a, a smooth text, this one? Don't you think here the, the author have mixed two things together? Okay, uh, let me explain this much better. Maybe I'll if I explain it. It's hard to figure it out, I guess, if you don't have the background. Uh, I do believe every time we read this, there is a mix between two things. Between the persons taking the rule of kufr and leaving Islam, and between you judging him as kafir, and that apply the punishment on the person. So the whole imam and representative of the imam and the judge is actually all about applying the punishment. But if you try to separate these two from each other, things become much easier to understand. So you know what? Leave that punishment part on the side. And let's do with the deal with the issue of just the kufr itself. Was he became kafir or not of, be, of denying the salah? You will find in the Hanabila said yes, because still we want that imam to give the reminder, to give him that call. Uh, but the majority of the Hanabila don't believe in that, actually. The majority of the Hanabila said this is irrelevant. This is only part of the process of applying punishment to him. So you don't need to someone to tell him that to judge him as account. And because we don't do that with any other issue as well. We don't every act of kufr, we don't say, oh, you don't become kafir until the imam asks you. Like somebody, for example, he cursed the Prophet ﷺ. Somebody in front of you said, you said, Aisha, the Prophet ﷺ, why he cursed Aisha and he accused her of zina. We don't say, hey, he's not kafir until the imam comes and asks him. Nobody say that. So they said, so this is irrelevant. Whoever quoted this the mix between question was given to Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, and Imam Ahmad, his answer was based on, based on the punishment of the one who leaving the salah. Then people took that and thought it's a, a condition. But in reality, if you go back to the root of the madhab, it's not actually a condition that it should be put here. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The issue of how many faridah you, you leave, uh, uh, and you will be considered kafir, as said in the Hanabila, the different uh, opinion. Um, the strong opinion, the strongest opinion, and Shaykh Ibn rahimahullah ta'ala, also uh, believe in that. Uh, that is, if the person leaves the salah completely, and he doesn't pray, period. Because the Nabi Sallallahu in the hadith and the evidence, showed the one who leaves the salah, he didn't say whoever leaves a salah. 
ما قال من ترك صلاة فقد كفر من ترك الصلاة فقد كفر whoever leave الصلاة that صلاة هذا اسم جنس so he didn't say من ترك صلاة whoever left a صلاة became kafir never said that he said those who left that صلاة became kafir so that صلاة it includes all the صلوات مما أيضا قوى هذا المذهب one of the things that الحنابلة used to support that position حديث رواه الإمام أحمد رحمه الله في مسنده that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a man told him that he will be Muslim and he will only pray he will only pray two salats from the five daily prayers and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam accepted that and Imam Ahmad reported this in the, in the Musnad and Imam Ahmad never commented on this in the Musnad and Ibn Rajab rahimahullah al-Hanbali and Muhaqqiqim and Fuqaha al-Hanabila also Ibn Taymiyyah mentioned that and, and other scholars said the 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 methodology of Imam Ahmad rahimahullah uh, when you when you study his way of commenting in Muslim Ahmad if he narrate hadith if he narrate hadith and he does not have a fiqh opinion that it rejects that hadith uh, uh, he, if he has a position that goes against that hadith he comments on it. But Sister Ahmed never even commented on it. They said, so that must be Ahmed, except even the fiqh of this hadith as well. And that's why many Hanabila use this as an evidence that leaving one salah will not be considered kufr. But other would say, no, the issue of uh, in this hadith that the Nabi Sallallahu said, okay, two salah is, is good enough. Of, and he accepted that from him because he wanted to be graduate and later on he will pick up. But that's problematic to be honest with you. They said it's a special case. Okay, It's a special permission. That's why you as a Muslim cannot just give permission anyway. But that's actually any da'wah للتخصيص تفتقر إلى دليل. Anyone claim, just one second, anyone claim that this is a special case, you need a proof. And actually that's not how the Hanbali madhab work. That's very common. The Hanafi madhab, التخصيص. Okay, that's only for the Prophet. That's, only, that's very common. But if you look at the trend of the Hanabil, it's weird, it's strange for them to say that because that's not how they function as, as a jurist. Rahimahullah ta'ala. So to claim that this only for the Prophet will say that the Prophet would not approve him to be doing something which is kufr, leaving three salah. That's not expected. So that means leaving the three salah is not kufr, but it means less iman, and inshallah he will be better. Okay, so uh, that's why uh, the strongest opinion that those who deny the salat uh, completely. So if someone, uh, or don't pray, sorry, uh, completely. But if somebody pray Jumu'ah, pray occasionally, even completely it's still ambiguous. Like what? Never prayed a single prayer in his life? Or it is a year? It is a week? It is multiple months? How's that? I don't have a clear answer for that, nor you will find anyone can give you a clear answer for that. And I think the reason for this, because it is not something... Uh, uh, tangible. Tangible, and it's not expected. That's why Sheikhana uh, Sheikh Abdul Karim al in one of his classes, uh, he mentioned something 
about Ba'd Fuqaha'i Malikiyya. Then later on I found Zayn al-Din Iraqi rahimahullah mentioned that actually in Tarh al-Tathrib, which is something very interesting. So fuqaha, one of the Fuqaha'i Malikiyya said, وَيَقُولُ بَعْضُ الْفُقَهَاءِ Some of the Fuqaha said, if someone leave the Salat completely, تَحَاوْنًا وَكَسَلًا and he doesn't pray out of being late out laziness or he's careless or she's careless قال وهذه مسألة افتراضية لا يمكن وقوعها في الواقع he thought that's impossible in reality to be exist it's impossible to imagine in his time in his culture the people around him it's not even imaginable someone don't pray at all he said that's only kuffar do that Muslim they pray that's why Ibn al-Mubarak, rahimahullah, when he was asked, someone don't pray, but he doesn't believe it is not what He believes it's wajib, but he doesn't pray at all. He said, at all? He said, yes, min himari ahli. He said, that's worse than the himar, worse than the donkey, you know, of the kuffar. It's not imaginable for them that a Muslim will live Islam and not pray at all. But unfortunately, we live in a time, yeah, and alhamdulillah, they didn't see it, but we see it, that we can see Muslim never pray. In my community in Houston, a man, uh, a brother, one of my students, his father passed away. So, subhanAllah, it happened, Allah put me in that test. I was in the masjid, and they brought his father in the janazah. And you know, in the janazah, it is what? Very tense, yeah, and he, every emotion is very high. So they brought the janazah. I know before about this man that he told me about his father, his father never prayed. Actually, his father never prayed in his life, no Eid, no Jumu'ah, no, not a single prayer. Okay? So, and his father was cancer patient, and his father a doctor, and he knows he's going to die in several months. So I asked the guy, because they brought the janazah, I was the imam, it's not my masjid even. That he asked me, uh, uh, يعني, we're going to pray on him. And all his families, the uncles and people like, looks like, I think this is the first time his father entered the masjid. I seriously think that one. The first time ever his father entered the masjid in that box. Allah, it's, 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 it's a So he told me, I said, I'm not going to pray on him. I would never pray on him. And he said, Sheikh, I said, Sheikh, no, Sheikh, I'm not praying on him. He knows. He's a, yes, I cannot imagine that this is just somebody who being lazy. Somebody sick and knows he's going to die. And he not praying? I would never pray on somebody. But I want to show you something. I did not object for him to pray on his father. I did not object for this community to pray on him. I didn't even announce my position. To the, I said, no, nobody pray on him. I don't do that. Because I know there is a different opinion. And that difference should be respected. And you know what? The khilaf between al-ulama, rahimahumullah, is the beautiful mercy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought to this ummah. So if he cannot be accommodated by my opinion, he can be accommodated by other people's opinion. And I said, it's okay. You can you take care of your father. Uh, for me, I'm not going to pray. His uncle, pick a fight with me. His uncle, mashallah, bigger than this door. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And he's like, oh, and I was like, we got very tense. I said, yeah, Habibi, you go pray on him. Huh? 
he called, this guy told me later, he said, Sheikh, I just want to tell you something. My uncle, the one who just fought with you, he's also like my dad, doctor, blah, blah. He said, we should, we better be start praying so the imam will pray on us when we die. His uncle said that to him. We should start praying because if this is the case, you know, nobody's going to pray us when we die. Yeah, and it was, and I meant it more of t- deep actually for the family who, who came that Anyway, so uh, here, uh, going back to the point that someone like this never prayed, never put his head down. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is not how the, uh, the Muslimin are. You cannot, this is how the kuffar are described in the Quran. That, you tell them, pray, they don't pray. And that's why in the Akhirah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered them to make sujood, those will never be able to make sujood as well. Because in the dunya, they've been asked to make sujood, and they never did. They never did the sujood. Uh, we're going to talk about the evidence in a little bit. Yes, sir. It is authentic. Hadith Imam Muhammad Rahim Allah, it is authentic. So here, al ulama rahimahumullah have a very famous debate over (coughs) the one who leave the salah out of laziness or out of uh, uh, neglect and being careless. Is he kafir or not? It's ironic to know this that all of them agree that the person who don't pray should be killed. <laughs> there is no, they have never been in how. Like the Shafi'i, the Maliki, the Hanbali, they said he'd be killed like the way the uh, 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 criminal and punished, uh, capital punishment. You have Abu Hanifa and Thawri uh, said locked up to death. Life sentence in jail. Until he prayed. If he pray, we let set him free. So that's the difference. That's very serious. That's why Shaykh Nashad al-Razak used to say something very profound in his classes. He used to tell us, Whenever a person has a common sense, just a little bit of wisdom, to put himself or herself in a position where the fuqaha debate should be he killed, should he be killed as a kafir, or should be killed as a criminal. Would you, would you ever put yourself in a position like that? He said, if somebody has a comment, would never put this position in, 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 a, in a situation like this. But again, the issue of applying the punishment, you know, they talk about their society, talk about their community. And I think uh, today I was talking to Sheikh Baiz about this comment, this word, this language for us in a, in, a, in a civil society today, where we have a law applied by you know, by, uh, uh, you know, there's a system for applying the punishment and stuff like that, quite different than the past. When we think about it, we look at it, we say, what's this? This is like, isn't that too harsh? Isn't that this? I think this harsh language that exists among the fuqaha, I think because it is almost impossible to be exist. I think that it is just, it's not exist. That's why historically, we don't have, Record of anyone was killed and executed because he doesn't pray. 
Sheikh al-Islam bin Taymiyyah put it this way, and let me tell you, this man is genius. That's why, for al-Insaf, al-Mirdawi, and others, they agree 100% on that. Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, said it this way. He said, all the fuqaha, regardless if they believe he's Muslim or God, you bring the person, don't pray. And the ruler will tell him, pray or you will be killed. And he said, I'm not going to pray. Ibn Taymiyyah said, can anybody after this say he doesn't pray because he's mutakasid, because he is lazy or because he is, uh, you know, uh, careless? He doesn't care. Is that, does that make any sense to you? So Ibn Taymiyyah said, if this is the case, if you tell him you will be or you'll be locked up for life, he said, I would rather to be locked up for life, to be beaten up, to be killed, than to pray because I'm too lazy to it. <laughs> doesn't make any sense Ibn Taymiyyah said. So that shows you that him denying to pray is not anymore being lazy. It is really in his heart, he rejecting it. He doesn't want to submit himself. It's the arrogance that Iblis had. And if we say that, there is no need for all this debate, Ibn Taymiyyah said. Because none of the Hanabil said, you just go, his cavern, just kill him. Nobody said that. And that shows you also one of the differences of what we hear today in some of these you know, extreme sects who claim that they have a state, blah, 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 like in, uh, in Iraq and Syria. So every, you find someone who's not praying, apply to head. No, it doesn't work this way. Because if you ask him to pray and he pray, halas, you back off. It's not like, oh, I caught you. <laughs> as if we're looking forward to, to, you know, as if we're looking forward to kill people. No, actually, we're trying to save the life of people. Uh, if there's any reason for us to, to do that. Anyway, so here, Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, uh, lead the, he's the leading figure when it comes to those who believe in um, that leaving the salah out of laziness is kufr. But to be honest, not Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah. It's actually the companions of the Prophet, sallallahu and I can tell you this with full confidence, willing to debate this until Fajr. <laughs> okay? That this is the opinion of all the companions of Muhammad Sallallahu that we are aware of. And I think that's the biggest argument that this camp have. That the other camp who say is not kafir failed to produce a single text, a single duration, even fabricated one. I'm willing to take it. Okay, that say that a single companion ever believed that leaving the salah out of laziness is considered kufr. While you have over 16 companions been reported, they stated that this is kufr. Then you have other companions and other successors saying that this is the position of the companions. Then you have a large number of scholars from Ahlul Hadith and from the Fuqaha saying that this is the position of the companions. I'll say that one more time. So you have about 16 companions or so mentioned that leaving the Salah is a kufr, is an act of kufr that take the person out of Islam. And you have people who narrate that this is the position of the companions, and this among the companions, among the successors. Then you have, also on the top of that, 
many scholars who narrated that ijma, that consensus. While the other camp really could not come up with a single companion or a single main يعني, tabi even, who said that. The only tabi that they came of the other group, which is Az-Zuhri rahimahullah, and as you might, some of you know, Az-Zuhri يعتبر من صغار التابعين وليس من كبار التابعين الزوري is a young tabi'i but all the elders among the tabi'ins what we aware of is completely the opposite that they believe that leaving the salah out of laziness and being neglecting the salah is an act of kufr and Imam Ibn Shaykh Ma'thimir said there is evidence for that and he mentioned several evidence he didn't expand because this is something you can read in your own in, in any simple uh, search but he gave the example of قول الله تعالى in Surah At-Tawbah فَإِن تَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةِ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةِ وَآتَوُوا الزَّكَاةَ فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ So if Allah SWT is saying in Surah At-Tawbah uh, uh, verse 11 that if they repent to Allah SWT they establish the salah they give the zakah they are your brothers in Islam They are your brothers in Islam. Uh, then Allah, here, Ibn Athimir rahimahullah said, so you became, they became your brothers in, in, in religion, in deen, with three conditions. Number one, that they repent from the kufr. You go back to tawheed. Two, they start the salah. Three, they give the zakat. Shaykh Ibn Athimir rahimahullah said, as you guys might heard, Shaykh Ibn before telling you, conditions are of two levels. Shurut sihha wa shurut kama. A condition that it is a condition for the validity of the contract or the act of worship. Or it could be a condition for making this act of worship or this contract perfect. So these three conditions. What's the issue here? Is faith. You became a believer. You became my brother in Islam. If you fulfill these conditions. Are these conditions, are conditions to make this Islam and this brotherhood valid or perfect and complete? First one is Tawheed. What do you think? A condition of? Validity. Without it, it's invalid brotherhood, an invalid belief, without Tawheed. To As-Salat, he said, the rule, the basic rules, that any condition, it's a condition for validity until you bring a proof otherwise. So he said, we keep it the way it is. So it is also a condition like the first one. The third one, az-zakat. So it, it means if I don't give zakat, I'm not a Muslim. You know, that some scholars said that, but not agreed upon. There is a debate among the companions. And that's very interesting. As-salah, you will not find a statement from the companions. But you will find different statements about zakat, about hajj, about Ramadan. Some companions believe leaving Ramadan is kufr, like Ibn Mas'ud. But you'll find other companions disagree with him. You'll find companions said leaving Hajj is kufr, like Umar. Other companions wouldn't agree with that. You'll find in Zakat the same thing. But in Salah, you will never find the two opinions exist among the Sahaba. And that's a very interesting uh, point to be noticed when you research this issue. So he said, as for the Zakat, we don't believe this condition is a condition of validity. Why? It is condition of showing that this is a perfect brother. Because as zakat denying it or not giving it is not kufr. 
uh, sorry, not giving it is not kufr. Why? Because the Nabi وسلم, said in Sahih Muslim that anyone Allah give him gold and silver and he does not give the zakat of it. In the end of the hadith, Allah subhanahu the Prophet وسلم, said, فَإِنَّهُ يُرَى سَبِيلُهُ فَإِمَّا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ وَإِمَّا إِلَى النَّارِ Such person who never gives zakat, in the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after he been punished, will be see Either he go or he will be go to Jannah or go to paradise. If he's a kafir, he cannot go to Jannah. If he's murtad, if he left Islam, he cannot go to Jannah. So that means that even without giving the zakat, there is have a chance to go to Jannah. So that means leaving the zakat is not kufr. So he said that's why we made exception to a zakat. Then he mentioned, uh, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, several uh, other uh, evidence uh, from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But they have other evidence from the Quran as well. What time is supposed to stand? Now? Okay. Uh, he mentioned, uh, just for the sake of time, we're not going to be able to go over all the evidence, but I will go with what Shimon Adim rahimahullah focus on. He said, uh, from the Sunnah, the Prophet ﷺ said, and all this hadith in Muslims, uh, What's between a person to become uh, uh, mushrik or to fall in the shirk and the kufr is leaving a salah. Uh, uh, basically, the covenant between uh, us and you uh, uh, is a salah. If you leave a salah, you become kafir. And look at the Prophet's statement. You became kafir. You became kafir. This is completely different than the Prophet said, I want you to tell me what's the difference. The Prophet said, cursing a Muslim is fisk, but fighting a Muslim is kufr. Is an act of kufr. It's an act of disbelief. That's one hadith. Okay? The hadith that I mentioned earlier, the Prophet ﷺ said, What's bit, if you leave the salah, you became a kafir. You became a disbeliever. Do you know it's a different? Yes? Is it basically still an act of kufr whilst remaining within the whole Islam? The disbelief in the hadith about fighting. A description to what? Describing what? Tasif mada. Describing the person or the act of the person? The act of the person. While the first one describing the person as a kafir. That's why we have the kufr two level. Kufr amali, kufr which is action. That's why the fighting one another, it's an act of kufr, but not necessarily makes the person kafir. But in Nabi Sallallahu when he talked about the salah, he didn't refer to the act as kufr. He referred to the person as a kafir. Walidalik, Ayyub Sukhtiyani, one of the greatest tabi'een among Ahlul Sham, he said, and also Hassan al-Basri said that, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, Rahimahullah Ta'ala Jami'an, and he's the greatest tabi'i among the scholar of Iraq. Okay? They both said something very interesting when they ask about leaving the salah. What kind of kufr is this? He said, They said that statement. That's why Al Khalan Rahimahullah mentioned it, and the Fuqaha Al Hanabila used this to say that they said it is the act of shirk that make you kafir. So that's a very explicit 
Why? Of saying that's a major kufr, leaving the salah. Uh, and then he said, as for the sahaba, it is so many. Been reported from 16 companions. And if you want to look at these narrations, you'll find a good number of them mentioned in a book like At-Targhib uh, Al-Targhib by Mundari Rahimahullah. You will find Ibn Abd al-Barr mentioned a good amount of them. Then you will find also Al-Marwazi Rahimahullah in his book Ta'zimu Qadr al-Salat. And you will find a good amount of them in Al-Mughni Ibn Qudama. You will find Ibn Abd al-Barr Fit-Tamheed mention a good number of them as well. And that will add up for you. Uh, I'm not sure if I have time to go over it, but Umar ibn al-Khattab, عن, his statement is one of the most common one reported by Imam Malik in Muatta and others, بإسناد صحيح in a stantic uh, uh, isnad, that he said, لا حظ في الإسلام لمن ترك الصلاة. There is no chance for someone to claim Islam and he or she don't pray. No chance for someone to claim prayer if he or she don't pray. When did he say that? He said that right before he died. Because after he was stabbed, he, he, he basically wake him up, well, he fainted. Then he said, did the Muslim pray? Then he said, they do. They did, alhamdulillah. And he said, he, 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 he said, alhamdulillah, then he said, because there is no chance for someone to be Muslim if they miss the prayer. <coughs> the prayer means something so great for, for, for them. And if the only thing we can go home tonight with is really to honor the salah, is to know and to respect this so much, it will be good for me. Ali ibn Abi Talib said, those who don't pray are kafir. Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anh said, those who don't pray, they have no deen. Fala Also, uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anh said, whoever don't pray is, is uh, a disbeliever. Jabir radiallahu anh, and this is also important. Why? Because Jabir is the one who narrated the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. If you leave the salah, you are kafir. So he narrated this hadith. Warrawi a'lam bima rawa. The narrator have a good understanding of the narration of his. Mujahid ibn Jabir, he asked Jabir. He said, Jabir, tell me, what kind of kufr is this you guys, you consider? <coughs> then he said, and Jabir referred to the companions, they consider Leaving the salah is an act of kufr. They consider leaving the salah is an act of kufr. We do, sir, he said, ma, uh, uh, he was asked, ما كان يفرق بين الكفر والإيمان عندكم من الأعمال في عهد رسول الله قال الصلاة. What is the actions that differentiate between kufr and iman? The action that if you do it, you're mu'min, you don't do it, you're kafir. He said, as-salah. That's very interesting. Also, Abu Darda said, there is no iman for those who have no salah. And I can go on and on. But what I would like to mention here before I end, two things. One of them is a quite long, but I will try to make it as short as, as I can. Uh, number one is, uh, is this the position of the Hanabila only? As a matter of fact, it's not quite true. Uh, this is also one narration from uh, Imam Al-Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala. And Imam al-Muzani rahimahullah, 
And just for you to know, Al-Muzani huwa Nasr Madhab al-Shafi'i. He is the one who really defended Madhab al-Shafi'i and the most important person in Madhab al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah. And you consider one of the most important founder of this Madhab, him and Al-Bayhaqi, rahimahullah ta'ala. And Al-Muzani mentioned that that's what a shafii position is. After this, his nephew, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, rahimahullah, who is Hanafi, but originally was... Shafi'i, okay, he originally was Shafi'i, then he switched to the Hanafi Madhab, rahimahullah ta'ala, for يعني, many reasons, not because necessarily he believed it's the best Madhab, uh, it is incredible Madhab, uh, the, Hanaf- the Hanafi, but he has his reason, it's an interesting thing to study, uh, but it, he is a great scholar of understanding these two Madhab. He mentioned that a Shafi'i's position is the one who don't pray out of laziness, kufr. And he did not mention other riwayah on Shafi'i rahimahullah. The one who narrated that the Shafi'i rahimahullah said, it, there is something in the um, it's debatable how you can understand it. It, it is, can be this way or that way. But I have no doubt that muhaqqiq al-madhab, a'lam al-nasib al-madhab. The scholar of the madhab are the most knowledgeable people of the madhab. And look, that's why you look at the, the Shafi'i scholars, muhaqqiqeen uh, al-Shafi'iyya, like in Nawawi, rahimahullah, and so many long less, they believe that the strongest opinion among the Shafi'i, that he doesn't believe that leaving it out of laziness is an act of kufr. Even Malik, there is not a single narration that Malik said, leaving the salah is not kufr. There is narration from the Malikis, but not Malik himself. As a matter of fact, there is even people suggest that Malik's position is the opposite. And Al-Tahawi mentioned narration, and Al-Muzani, uh, 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 sorry, Imam Al-Tahawi mentioned narration from Malik that he believed leaving it out of laziness is kufr. And there is narration suggest that Malik, rahimahullah, said that. And if you look at uh, uh, Al-Qayrawani, Ibn Abi Zayd Al-Qayrawani, and also Ibn Abi Zayd Al-Qayrawani, He's considered also one of the greatest scholars Ahmed the Maliki. See, if I look to the Shafi'i, the Maliki, the Hanbali, there is three collectors of the Madhab. Abu Zayd al-Qayrawani, al-Khallab, Muhammad rahimahullah, and al-Muzan. Those three great scholars, because they are the one who documented the opinion of the Imam more than anybody else, in my opinion. Okay? Anyway, so Abizir Qirani mentioned in his uh, uh, books uh, uh, many positions from some of the Maliki that believe leaving the Salah, Tahawran, Kasalan, uh, out of listening, is an act of kufr as well. طيب, uh, the other point that I want to end with is, is a narration that consider actually the most important piece of evidence that we have in regard to this, which is a narration. Uh, before I, I go to those, in Madhab al-Hanabila, somebody suggested that Imam Ahmed rahimullah, has another narration saying that leaving the salah out of laziness is not kufr. I want to say that I don't believe that this narration is authentic. Uh, I don't believe that. And uh, there is many reasons for me to say that uh, uh, because we have to differentiate, and not me, and there is many ulama among al-Hanabila said that, uh, we have to differentiate in the madhab between the fatwa of the imam that came to deal with a specific scenario and the opinion of the imam. And I think that's what the case here, right? 
so Ibn Batta rahimahullah is the one who really support that idea that Imam Ahmad rahimahullah believe in that. Otherwise, if you look to that, Al-Khalal and others, they never mentioned that as a position of Imam Ahmad rahimahullah. Uh, the narration that I want to end my talk with, which is the narration of Shaqiq ibn Abdullah al-Bulakh. That he said, rahimahullah ta'ala, the Prophet's companion used not to consider anything from the deeds. Leaving it is a kufr except salah. Leaving the salah is kufr. So that's mean consensus from the scholars. Uh, this narration by Tirmidhi, rahimahullah, there happened to be a debate over the authenticity of it. Uh, number one, some ulama said it is not authentic. Why? They said because. Uh, uh, this been reported by a man, his name is Bishr ibn al-Mufaddil from al-Jurayri and he is al-Jurayri, in the end of his life he became mukhallid, yani mixed things, not very trustworthy. And they said Bishr, most likely he heard this narration from him after he became old. This claim, there is no proof for it, first of all. Number two, if we look at Al-Bukhari rahimahullah, and Muslim, they themselves narrated for Bishr ibn al-Fadda that he narrated from Al-Jurayri. Okay? In Sahih al-Bukhari, in Sahih Muslim. They have, yes, one narration Al-Bukhari, one narration Muslim. But he narrated this with other mutabi', with other narrators like Abdul uh, A'la uh, uh, and uh, other narrators who are very trustworthy from Al-Jurayri. And that action from Al-Bukhari shows you and Bishr rawa ma rawa Bishr have narrated with other people narrated. And this, if you study Mithiruf al-Bukhari, Muslim, that actually shows that he trusts the narration of Bishr through al-Jurayri. So to claim that this is weak, that's not right. Number two, this been narrated from other tariq completely uh, in al-Khalal. Number three, what Shaqiq said is said by other tabi'een. It's not the only thing Shaqiq said. You have Al-Hasan said the same. You have Ayyub said the same. You have Jabir ibn Abdullah, who's a companion, said the same. So this is from the hadith perspective, and I, I don't want to make it too long in the, in the technical definition. They said also Shaqiq. How can Shaqiq said there is a consensus among the companions, and he never met all the companions? يعني, uh, 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 Imam Al-Fasawi, rahimahullah, he mentioned a narration that Ali ibn Abi Madini was asked, how many companions Shaqiq met? He said, did he meet Abdullah ibn Umar? He said, no, he only met Abu Hurairah and someone else I forgot now. Uh, he met يعني, two companions. First of all, Ali ibn Abi Madini didn't deny that he met others. Okay, He only mentioned two. So number two, Shaqiq ibn Abdullah al-Bulaghi, he did not say, I met all the companions and they told me this. He is narrating the ijma' an al-sahaba, not from the sahaba. He's not narrating it from each companions. He's saying that the companions said. It's like when Nawawi rahimahullah said, there is ijma' among the shafi. It doesn't mean he met every shafi scholars personally and collected his opinion. That doesn't make any sense. So that argument is not a very good uh, really uh, argument uh, uh, from those who objected to it. Also, they said, how can that you say there is ijma' consensus among the ulama, the sahaba, and there is this huge debate between the fuqaha? 
if it's clear-cut like that in the companion, no different opinion, why we have different opinion among the scholars? Why the Hanafi, the Sufyan al-Thawri, these are great scholars of hadith too. Where they were ignorant of that? We the answer for this, there's so many points to answer this, but one of the answers for it is to cite simply is this. First of all, Al-Hijjah bil Ijma'i Mutaqaddim Lal Khilaf al Mutaakhir. Always the, the rule goes the earlier ijma' is the delil, not the different of opinion came later. Otherwise, every khilaf comes later on, is gonna negate the ijma' that happened and will establish before the whole concept of ijma' will fall apart. But what's the point? Every time there is a debate, you say, oh, this opinion is rejected because it's against the ijma'. If we're going to open the door, no, because there is different opinion happened later on. So the ijma' that happened earlier is not valid. That's not, that's not valid. Uh, 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 so this is not a very good argument as well. Uh, if you say, it never heard that ever in Islam, there is someone who was taken and killed and treated as a kafir and nobody pray on him and blah, blah, blah. Uh, we said, first of all, there's no proof for that. In many narration I, can, I found in, in a quick research, Imam Ahmed and others said his wife is not valid, the marriage is invalid because he's not praying and, and things from that nature. Uh, otherwise, we say it's almost impossible to be exist, especially in that society, to find a person who you can prove that he is not prayer. Because if the imam tell him, you're not serious. If you don't pray, okay, I'll pray. Done deal. He's not covering him. Okay, so to say that does not exist is not right. And and by the way, like in, in I lived in Saudi Arabia, for example, we never heard ever somebody was captured. And like today was, uh, uh, brother was asking me, so Saudi Arabia, do the girl ask, oh, you're not praying maghrib in the street? No, nobody does that. It is always the case something called da'wah somebody have to initiate the claim so go to the court and file this place doesn't pray so the judge bring him do you don't pray no I pray okay khalas, done deal it, it goes as simple as that it, it's not like something that we look and, and check did you pray and you know you have to go online and say you know I pray <laughs> it's not like that uh uh, the last thing I want to say, there is a very famous debate between Shafi and Ahmed. Uh, also, they said that Imam Shafi debated Imam Ahmed. This whole debate story is fabricated, has no proof for it. Even the language of it is very weak. The, the hujjah, I will even uh, uh, feel that Imam Shafi is much smarter than using this evidence against Imam Ahmed. Because if anyone make an act of ridda, the way to go back to Islam is not to say la ilaha Allah, is to basically fix that act of riddah. So if he didn't pray, by praying he go back to Islam, not by shahada or anything like that. Somebody said, al-zakat is not wajib. But uh, make riddah, but he said, no, it's wajib, he go back to Islam. That's, that's how we go back to Islam. Even if he say a million times, la ilaha illallah, and he did not retreat that statement of al-zakat is not wajib, he's not Muslim. So the way to, to go back to Islam is to, to basically, to make a statement to negate the act of kufr that you did in the past. Uh, anyway, this is just some of the uh, points, sorry for keeping you light, but there is many uh, other pages. I will leave it for uh, your uh, sheikh and scholar to go over it. How is Sheikh Ibn Atimir, rahimahullah, classify the evidence of the other camp who said the uh, act of leaving the Salah to Haunan is not kufr. He categorized to five categories. And Shemini Demir, rahimahullah, is a very uh, artist. 
Yani subhanallah alam. He's very interesting how he put things uh, together. He's like Ibn al-Qayyim. I'll tell you something about debate. If you want to destroy someone in debate, okay, make their opinion so big, so killer fancy. You know the balloon, when you blow it, so big. Anything touch it, blow it. But if the balloon is like, you know, it's not very, there's not much air in it, it takes time to, to, to pop it. But if it's so big like that, anything can pop it. And I think that's what he's, he's setting them up, all five categories. He makes them sound like so organized, then he destroys them one after another. <laughs> <laughs> so it make it easier for you. And, and you know, Ibn Qayyim used this sometimes, and they did with 20 delete. Then he destroyed them one after another. So that's a very interesting style of destroying the other opinion that you don't agree with. That's an art of debate. Uh, so, uh, anyway, inshallah, this is enough. I'm sorry to keep you guys late. The fiqh, you never get bored with it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala infana bima allamana. And uh, I hope that the, the, the last thing, just to, as I said earlier, the thing that really I want to go with, that we should honor the salah more and, and, and respect the salah so much and take this very serious. Uh, salah is amudu al-deen, amudu al-islam. It's the main pillar of Islam. You know, uh, even those who said it's not kufr, uh, uh, leaving it to, uh, out of laziness, they still consider this the worst thing you can ever meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with. This is something we should put it in our heart, in our kids and children, our family, our community, and talk about the importance of the salah. Sallallahu Muhammad. I'm very happy to be in uh, Manchester with you. And inshallah, hopefully to uh, be back uh, soon, inshallah, in January uh, 2nd. And uh, this is, I will be not far away from here, inshallah, in uh, Bradford. We have a Elm Fest, and also in the third, I think, in Birmingham. We have also Elm Fest uh, <coughs> there, the Maghrib Institute. I ask Allah to give us all tawfiq. I will leave all the questions for Sheikh Baisa later on, <laughs> inshallah. Uh, As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.